Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my phenomenal co-host with me, Gina Warfel. And today we have Dr. David Rosensweet, and he is a medical doctor that is going to be talking to us about bioidentical hormone replenishment. So, Doc, welcome to the podcast. This is such a sweet topic for me. I'm just barely getting into hormones and we have a nurse practitioner that is all about hormones and hormone replacement. So I cannot wait to hear from the expert about this topic. Welcome. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you got into this. Well, I right out of the gate when I graduated from the University of Michigan Medical School, I got interested in holistic medicine before I had a name mm-hmm. and just gathered tools And then about 30 years ago, one of my patients stomped into my office. She was in her mid-40s. She really wanted me to pay attention because she was going crazy and she meant it, which is a surprise because this was a very successful woman who had retired in her mid-40s. Think about that one for a minute. Wow. Good for her. Holy cow. She was tremendously upset and serendipitously, although my life and my practice has always been guided. I love that. Um, I love that. I had been speaking with a world expert on progesterone. I gave her some progesterone thinking she was in perimenopause. And three weeks later, I got a letter because that's how it was done in those days from her saying, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. I'm totally myself again. Thank you so much. I love that. You know, it really caught my attention because in medicine, when by the time they made an appointment, things moved pretty slowly mm-hmm. in the sense that they're pretty ill, small, medium or large. And there's a slow moving train to healing. Mm -hmm. And this was a dramatic result that happened with so little. This was like a rocket ship. It was just like, and she's a different person. Like that's faster than like SSRIs. I'm myself again, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really totally in control by any means. And my practice started getting more and more women in menopause. And I really loved the effect. These are basically healthy and empowered women who have fallen off a cliff and readjust those hormones, replenish them with pure molecules, bioidentical hormones. And they were back in action and providing to the world the gifts that they were bringing. And that's very important to us as a team. Our mission is really, we think this planet needs more feminine energy in every level of decision-making and creation. And women at the peak of their knowledge and skill set and experience go into menopause and so many just really barely maintain from that point on. Yeah, it's so true. And yet these hormones just replenish the hormones and they're back in the saddle, just like men are as well. Men start losing their drive and their erection. They may not talk to you about their erection, but it really affects them. Right, right. And then you restore these hormones, you do a good job of it. And they're themselves again. Yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So it's not a small deal. Yeah. It's like this tiny little cocktail. And I love that you're talking about bioidentical because there's a difference between 
hormones that are synthetic and bioidentical because we're very much in the holistic world of things and people want everything natural, right? And I was just talking about progesterone, for instance, you know, taking bioidentical progesterone to help people. And I'm getting people online saying, well, shouldn't we be able to raise our progesterone naturally? This doesn't feel right to me. This is just another medication. And so there is that kind of people are, they have to kind of step out of their comfort zone to really hear this because I love how you said we could just tweak a little bit and people can feel like themselves again. We don't have to suffer through aging. We don't have to suffer through menopause. We can be supported in a very gentle, even want to say loving way, right? It just takes a little bit of tweaking here and there and you can feel like yourself again. I'm curious, what is your opinion of bioidentical versus synthetic? Is Can there be a place for both? Do you recommend one or the other? What is your opinion, philosophy? Two huge questions just popped in. <laughs> <laughs> if I may, I'd like to take the first one first and then the synthetic. Or, sure. One second. We don't even know what natural is. Mm-hmm. Because for a couple hundred thousand years that we've been on this planet, uh, no one was living. There was no such thing as menopause and andropause. Mm -hmm. Very, very few women lived uh, beyond when they stopped having menstruating. And then through various changes in the human race, some of which included some major technical improvements in hygiene and nutrition, to say the least, in consciousness, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden... Women in midlife don't have babies anymore. Right. And yet, is that natural? And what happens when they lose the hormones, women and men? Mm -hmm. Almost a guarantee that over time, they're going to lose muscles, thus the ability to stand and walk and transition to canes, walkers, and wheelchairs. Mm Going to lose bladder control Because when you lose the muscle that holds up the bladder and you lose the health of the vagina, you lose continence. Yeah. And that's why when you go to your supermarket, if you go there anymore, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's there's a lot of shelf real estate taken up by adult diapers for both women and men. Lose cognition, lose the ability to think clearly. There's so many estrogen receptor sites in the brain that when women lose their hormones, they start losing the ability to think. And I've got many, many stories of this one. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Lose libido, lose drive, lose energy. You don't function as well. These are the most powerful biochemicals in our body. Right. And without them, we don't do well. Right. Immune systems don't do well. Skin doesn't do well. Right. On and on and on the list goes. Mental health doesn't even do well. Progesterone helps to really calm you. It creates GABA. So your mental health goes down the drain. Your bodily functions start to deteriorate. There's really no benefit in suffering. Yes, I love that you said that. You know, like we're aging. We used to die a lot younger. But now we're surpassing that, the 30s and 40s, right? And so it's like we don't have to suffer. We can really age gracefully. That's correct. And yeah, mental health, emotional health, these are feel-good biochemicals. And without them, women get depressed or get mm-hmm. anxious mm-hmm. and don't sleep. All you got to do is lose a few nights sleep. Oh, man. And if that's happened to anybody, it happens to so commonly in menopause. Mm-hmm. There are a certain number of women, 25%, don't have significant experiences. And they look around, they say, why don't we do menopause naturally? And what's wrong with the rest of you all? Right. 
75% of the women have significant life-stopping symptoms right. or life-deteriorating symptoms. So they get highly motivated in most cases yeah. to do something about it. Yeah. And the others, they still undergo bone loss. Mm-hmm. One of the principal ways that women used to leave this planet was by a fracture of a hip. Right. That was it. Yep, and they're gone. Right. Die within a year. Mm-hmm. Even if you got a hip replacement. And why did they fall and fracture that hip? Because they lost their muscle strength. Right. You know, I started asking the question, what is natural? And are we depending on anything? Do we want to be totally independent of everything? No. We have choices and it's philosophical. But it's not philosophical to the women who are really losing it. Right. Right. They're not the ones I'm so concerned about because they get highly motivated. And when man loses his erection, he gets highly motivated. Right. As we learned from the explosion when Viagra was mm-hmm. uh, came up the market. Right. Right. So what's natural? Is the deterioration natural? Do you want to undergo the deterioration right. where you want to choose? So I'm going to leave the philosophy right. of it, but I want to give you a strong opinion. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea as early as we can to seek the treatment of an expert, someone who's really expert in hormones and replenish Mm -hmm. for your whole life. I will not be without my, my testosterone and the other tools that I use. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. My nurse practitioner, she's been talking to me about this a lot and I've been kind of hounding her. Okay. When can I get my progesterone prescription? Right. Can we check my hormones? Can we tweak little things? Uh, Which leads me to my next question. How do we know when it's time to start? And what are signs and symptoms of, oh, maybe we should start looking into this? Because I want to share a joke. I said this on Instagram, but here in Utah, Botox is a huge thing. Girls here be like, where's my Botox? And I'm like, where's my bioidentical hormones? Because to me, bioidentical hormones are the natural form of Botox. They keep you younger. They keep your body young and healthy. And so when is it too early? When should we start looking into this? What should we be looking for? Should I go there or should I? I had bypass genus when I thought. Oh, yes, let's answer that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Human beings have been replenishing hormones that we know about for a thousand years. The Chinese had the aristocrats set up these outhouses where young men would pee in containers. And young women would go to other outhouses and pee in containers. They would collect those urines, dry those urines, and the aristocrats would be taking the dried urine because the dried urine contains hormones. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I did not know that. So we've been doing this for a long time. And we've been state-of-the-art in testing women and men for hormone levels is do a 24-hour urine because the hormones show up in the urine, as do the metabolites. So in the 40s, the pharmaceutical industry, aware of the duress of women in menopause, invented the most popular and profitable drug of all time. And the way they did it is they put pregnant mares, horses, in stalls, catheterized them and collected their urine. Was this Primarin? Not so pleasant to think about. And they came up with this pharmaceutical medication called Primarin, pregnant mare urine. Wow. 
and they dried it out. And I was sitting having lunch with a compounding pharmacist once. And he said to me, did you ever wonder why there's such a thick coating on a Primarin pill? And I had never prescribed one. And I had never seen one. I said, no, Fred. And he said, and I bit into it. And out comes this outrageous smell of urine. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Now, having said that, Premarin and Prempro were the most popular and profitable drugs of all times. Wow. Up to the time. And, you know, the women that they did so much better than the women who didn't. Wow. I've seen women patients who've been on Premarin for 20 years, wanted to switch to bioidenticals. Mm -hmm. That's why they showed up in my office after 20 years, 30 years. But, oh, they were doing so much better. Wow. Now, it's not something I've never prescribed, Mm -hmm. Premarin or Prempro, but we never want to say, well, that's worthless and nobody should ever do that. Right. Because there was 18 million American women alone. Mm Mm-hmm on Premarin and Prempro prior to 2002. Mm-hmm. That was 40% of all American women in menopause. So yeah. if that's from a horse, would that be bioidentical or synthetic? Well, only 50% of the hormones that are in that pill, in horse urine, were ever seen by the human female. 50% of them were never seen by the human female. Yeah. So I'm not going to call that natural. It's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Than the female, though there was estradiol in there. Mm-hmm. So but, wasn't there research done that it was causing other health issues? And that's, have they recalled it or can we still buy Premarin? What's the story around it? Definitely still get Premarin. You're referring to the Women's Health Initiative in 2002 mm-hmm. that scared the planet Earth. Yeah. What it did was they a do? study that was misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. The press got a hold of it blew it out and ran terror through American women, women worldwide and healthcare providers that there was an increased risk of breast cancer with the use of one of the two products, not Premarin. Mm -hmm. They had known that women who took Premarin alone, horse urine derived estrogens had a reduced risk for breast cancer, heart attack and stroke. Wow. That was in that study. Wow. And we're on Prempro had a statistically insignificant 1.26 relative risk. Statistically insignificant. In science, that means you cannot draw any conclusions. I saw that. Mm -hmm. The press didn't see that. They exploded that out. That study was stopped. And instead of 18 million women being on hormones, it went down to the low millions. Wow. Wow. It scared everybody. Wow. And... That study continued. Mm-hmm. They continued to follow the women. And I looked at that study in 2002. It sure concerned me. And I saw this statistically insignificant. And I went, wait a minute. They're using horse urine derived estrogens with an artificial progestin that we already know is problematic. Mm-hmm. And it's statistically insignificant. Yeah. What's yeah. going on here? What kind of misogynistic, maniacal thing occurred here? Right, right always treating with compounded bioidentical hormones. And I've, they're the same molecule yeah. that are coming out of a female ovary or from men's testicles. Mm-hmm. So I felt highly confident. And I also knew the European literature had shown the benefits and reduced risk. So I marched ahead. 
Well, that study committee continued to follow the women and they retracted that study. Wow. The, the bad news out there, you know, like you can't undo the damage. You couldn't get the cat back in the bag. Well, in the 1980s, simultaneously, a pharmacist, a compounding pharmacist in Texas, Jim Hernser, and a uh, holistic medical doctor in Washington State, they were both treating women and men. Both of them had the idea, why, since we know we can get pure, molecularly identical hormones, why don't we use those rather than Premier and Prempro stuff? And they did. And where who did they go to? They went to the pharmaceutical manufacturers who had taken primarily soy and also yams, but primarily soy, and extracted a hormone precursor because plants have hormones. We may not look alike, but we got a lot of functions in common, a lot of genetics in common. They extracted this diastinin and easily converted it pharmaceutically under very precise conditions into pure molecular estradiol, estriol, estrone, testosterone, DHEA, and progesterone. Pure, same molecule. Yeah. Jim Hernser and Jonathan Wright prepared it and started treating women with these bioidentical hormones. Mm-hmm. And since there's now 8,500 compounding pharmacists in the United States, they all know how to do it. They all know where to get it. They get it pure form from pharmaceutical manufacturers. Yeah. Pharmaceutical manufacturers use it for birth control pills primarily. That's when they first started really doing it. Yeah. And now they're using it for their own form that's about 10, 20, 30 years behind what the compounding pharmacists are capable of doing. Yeah. Bioidentical hormones. Why not? I thought, why not? Mm-hmm. And they work beautifully. And they're still a piece of work. I mean, every single woman and every single man, we're individuals. We may look somewhat alike, but biologically, the range of what individual women, just what they are who are healthy and fertile and menstruating, some women have this level of estrogen. Other women have three times as much estrogen. Yeah. And this woman needs three times as much to be fertile, function normally, feel healthy, whereas this woman needs a third of that amount. And if you give her higher, she doesn't do well. Yeah. So there's a tremendous variation, human to human, woman to woman. Now, that's estrogen. Mm-hmm. When you throw in variation in testosterone levels in women and progesterone levels and DHEA levels, to get it right, to dial it in with great skill, you want an expert. Mm-hmm. You want some kind of healthcare provider who has devoted their career to getting great at this, to yeah. dial it in great. And saying that there was only choices of Premarin, the women who were on Premarin, they did so much better. Mm-hmm. But we all want to get it right and get it excellent. I don't want to diminish the great benefit to the planet Earth mm-hmm. that occurred when Premarin came on the market. I love that. Not that I'll ever prescribe Premarin when I've got bioidenticals. Right, right. So when you're looking at the studies, would you say that bioidenticals are significantly safer than synthetic when you look at the information? Or would you say that they're both safe, but they act different? How would you side by side compare those? That's really one of the core questions out there. Mm -hmm. And so let me look at it from another way. Bottom line, we're concerned about breast cancer. Right. Yes. 
And we should be far more concerned about heart attack and stroke. Right. Because 50% of women who leave Earth do so through heart attack and stroke. Right. And very much lower levels of breast cancer incidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the science. We are all, as human beings, vulnerable to thousands of diagnoses, some of them not good and a real piece of work. And we're all vulnerable to hundreds of diagnoses of cancers. And as a male, I'm at particular relative risk for prostate cancer, and there's reasons why this is so. And women are at in slightly increased relative risk to get breast cancer above other cancers. And there's reasons why that's so. But given that, the science is this. Women who are treated with hormones are at less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who go untreated. Wow. Mm. Men who are treated with testosterone are at less risk for prostate cancer if they're treated with testosterone, wow. but if they're not. Wow. I thought a really great point too. I heard a speaker one time when talking about bioidenticals, she said, women are at their peak estrogen in their twenties and young thirties. Right. But you don't see rampant breast cancer when estrogen is at its highest. So is it really estrogen that we're worried about with getting breast cancer Otherwise, why wouldn't we be seeing higher rates of breast cancer when our estrogen is highest? Or multiply that tenfold during pregnancy. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. The estrogen levels in pregnancy are, and progesterone levels are 10, 100 times what they are in a non-pregnant yeah. state. So we very rarely see breast cancer. Yeah. You're getting down to the heart of the matter in your principal interest in any way. It's like, what in the heck causes cancer? And what causes breast cancer? What's your answer? And the way I like to look at it is I I point to this wall behind me and -hmm. pretend, I say to a patient, pretend that we had a video of your whole life. Mm -hmm. From the moment you were conceived, 24-7, and the editor of that video was able to press a button and get rid of all the good stuff. All the good food you ate, all the good exercise you did, all the fun you had, all the love you had, all the beneficial and skilled response to the stresses of your life, all the toxic exposures that you didn't have, all the avoidance of toxicity you had. Got rid of it, all the good stuff. What would be left behind would be a thousand incidents of violation of good nutrition, appropriate exercise, dysfunctional relationship to how you respond to stress. Mm -hmm. You went into the full biological fight or flight and the toxicity you were exposed to. We would see in the remainder of what was left behind all the causes of illness and all the causes of cancer, indiscretions of nutrition, toxicity, exercise, and stress. And there are some mysteries Mm -hmm. that go beyond certainly the physical world and into the emotional, mental, and past lives and everything. I won't go there with you. And in fact, that's what the two of you, from what I understand, you're devoting your interest in health and to try and, well, let's do the good stuff. Let's not poison (laughs) ourselves, for example. Not a bad idea. I mean, people don't pause to think about what 
kind of chemical concentration and strength you need to kill an insect yeah, or kill a weed. And we're taking this stuff in. Mm-hmm. It takes some powerful destructive chemicals to do that. And they're fat soluble and they go into the breast. So the causes of cancer are myriad, but they're not what's in our bodies. Yeah. And we know this, this is the science and it can be read in a book called estrogen matters. And we've offered your viewership, a free copy of a PDF of my book, happy, healthy hormones. And in chapter three, I discuss this risk subject in depth. But here's the science, a woman who's had breast cancer and has had the breast cancer properly treated has an increased relative risk of recurrence than a woman who's never had breast cancer is getting breast cancer. But she's at less risk for recurrence if she's treated with hormones Mm -hmm. than if she is not treated with hormones. So do hormones... Amazing. What hormone role do the hormones play? It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. No one's going to withhold thyroid hormone. Right. Right. And this is really, so it goes much deeper than that. I'm sort of giving you the cliff notes version of it. Yeah. But the hormones don't cause cancer. Yeah. And they don't even, it's a very, very deep gray area about that. Even make a cancer grow faster if it's a well-differentiated cancer. It's, even this is a very, very gray area. Interesting. Why are there cancers that have estrogen receptors? And is that just false information? Where does that come from? How do we get confused on that? Estrogen-dependent cancers. Well, any cancer can be defined by how vicious it is. Yeah. At one end of the spectrum, there are these cancers that are called well-differentiated At the other end of the spectrum, there's these cancers that are called undifferentiated. And this occurs for any kind of cancer you can name. Well-differentiated cancers, when they're biopsied, for example, in a living patient, and an expert, a pathologist, looks under the microscope at these well-differentiated cancers, whether it's liver or kidney or breast or prostate, when they see a well-differentiated cancer, a layperson could not tell the difference between that cancer cell that's well differentiated and a normal liver cell or kidney cell or prostate cell or breast cell. It takes an expert to really be able to tell the difference. And sometimes they don't even agree on it because they look the same and they function relatively the same, but they got the genetic control mechanism has been disturbed and they overgrow too fast. Mm -hmm. That's called a well differentiated cancer. At the other end of the spectrum, you show a pathologist an undifferentiated cancer, and most of them, they'll not be able to tell you what organ it came from. Well, It's so different. Yeah. Well-differentiated cancers don't look or behave a lot different from the parent cell from what they derived. So a normal breast cancer cell or a normal brain cell or a normal skin cell has estrogen receptors in it. Brain's loaded with them, as I mentioned earlier. The breast is loaded with estrogen. But the cells in a cancer that are the problem, they are undifferentiated. They've lost all control. The well-differentiated cells that you see in a tumor that have estrogen-positive receptor sites, they're not the problem. It's the undifferentiated 
loss control cancer cells. So you can have a cancer cell that has a positive estrogen receptor site Mm -hmm. in it. But that's not the problem. And Dr. Avram Blooming goes into great depth about this. He's a cancer specialist, an oncologist who specialized in breast cancer. His own wife and his own daughter had breast cancer. They're being treated with Premarin and Prempro. Wow. And he's the world expert on it. They've got this book called Estrogen Matters. Mm -hmm. And what I've spoken to him personally, he said, long before we knew that there was estrogen receptor sites, we were treating women who had breast cancer with Premarin and Prempro. What? After they had the breast cancer properly treated. Wow. That's amazing. And he couldn't tell the difference in how they behaved, the ones who did well. Yeah. Yeah, see, the estrogen receptor sites weren't discovered until the late 90s. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Blooming was an oncologist who was treating women who had the breast cancer properly treated, mm-hmm. removed, radiation, yeah. chemo, whatever it took. Yeah. He treated those women with Premarin or Prempro, because mm-hmm. his belief was they would do a heck of a lot better yeah. if they had the hormones. And that's what played out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Those who were treated yeah. had less risk of recurrence. Wow. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So the whole area of estrogen receptor site is very gray. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Very he did a study on this. This wasn't just like, well, I think it's the way it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did a study on this. Yeah. Hey, listeners. As you know, I am crazy about all things gut health, which means you have to know about Odyssey bars. So many snack bars out there are loaded with artificial sugars and ingredients that just really make me sad. But honestly, snack bars have chicory root, cassava root, and green banana powder in all their bars, meaning your gut biome is going to love these. They are gluten and soy free, with some flavors being dairy free, and they're sweetened with real foods like dates and honey. So your body recognizes these ingredients versus stuff like erythritol, which can really mess with your gut biome. Each bar is packed with protein, which means your blood sugar will be more stable as opposed to other bars that are just packed with junk and your blood sugar is all over the place. But not only are these bars delicious, but they are also Gutsy approved. And if you use the code Gutsy, you'll get 10% off every time you purchase your bars at odysseysnacks.com. Give them a try. You're going to love them just as much as I do. Now back to the show. This is fascinating. This is so fascinating. Can we go to the question, how do we know when it's time to start looking into this? Is 30s too young? Like, what would you recommend for women that want to optimize on their health in their 40s or 50s or even in their 30s? They want to be really proactive. When is it too soon to start or when should we start? What should we look for? That's a great question. You know, it falls under the general category of when do you start getting interested in your health? Mm -hmm. And when you start getting interested in your health, there's some major topics that you guys know really well. You got to really start getting interested in what you're eating and breathing Mm -hmm. and what's in your house and whether you're exercising and how many tools you have that relate to the emotion and the mind and the consciousness that relate to dealing elegantly with the stresses of life rather than trigger the fight or flight biology every time. There's some basic stuff that really matter. 
And in that basic stuff, we could include hormones. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's important to become knowledgeable about nutrition and exercise and deploy proper individualized diets mm-hmm. and exercise programs and get it right. Yeah. So it should be in everyone's playbook mm-hmm. to get really skilled at all these things. That's what you guys are doing is from what I can tell. Yeah. You're helping increase the skill level here. Well, hormones should fall within that major category. Mm -hmm. Now to address your question, as early as you can figure it out. Very cool. And a lot of women don't really need to pay attention to it because they are healthy. They're regularly menstruating. They don't have severe menstrual symptoms. They're fertile. They're having babies. Hormones aren't an issue for for them. Yeah. But that's not the common woman. Mm -hmm. I was funded to do a study to help define proper hormone testing. And the study that I did, I wanted to know what's normal. Mm -hmm. So we reached out to 600 women, nursing students. They were the ones motivated enough to really get interested in the study. Mm -hmm. And of those 600 nursing students, there was only 100 that qualified to do the test on because there was only 100 of them that were regularly menstruating. We could predict when to do the testing. Yeah. Wow. One out of six. Five out of six were not. I 100% believe that because so if you're young, like let's say you're 20 and you have imbalance in hormones and you're changing your diet and you're exercising and you're managing your stress and you're trying to fall pregnant and you can't, you'd be a good candidate for bioidentical. Am I saying well, that right? I don't know that. Okay. You'd be a good candidate to unravel mm-hmm. what's throwing out a balance that mm-hmm. you're not ovulating. Yeah. Not menstruating regularly. So there is a too young age then, right? You want to yeah, wait until your body. The issue isn't usually that they don't have adequate hormones. Mm-hmm. The issue is often with the periods aren't regular and they're not ovulating. Yeah. Fertility is a whole other issue. But let's take women in their 30s. There's five out of six women, at least by what we were doing, that aren't regularly menstruating. And they did. In their 20s, they're regularly menstruating. They had normal libido, normal energy, Mm -hmm. and not symptoms. They weren't getting severe PMS. And then they made a change in their 30s, and that's the time. Yeah. To finally answer your question, if a woman's cruising along and feels good and has lots of libido and lots of energy and is regularly menstruating like clockwork, this is not the woman that needs to pay attention. Yeah. But the woman who should start paying attention, ideally, is every woman, really. Mm -hmm. Because to get educated on this subject is one of the most potent things you can possibly do Mm -hmm. for your health for the rest of your life. Yeah. So the thing you could do is read the book I wrote. I was just about to say that. Download the PDF. (laughs) Become an expert. (laughs) I wrote it for women. Mm -hmm. For very specific reasons. We thank you. Yes, we really do. Thank you. (laughs) There was also my reasons involved. I mean, I started treating women, Mm -hmm. 1990s, and the hormones weren't going into my body. And I didn't know the symptoms you're referring to. I knew that they existed and I knew what they were, but I wasn't feeling them. So I figured out the best way that we could get this right 
is by teaming with the women and giving the women enough information about symptoms and stuff that we could figure out the dosages through alleviation of the various symptoms that can arise. And that's why I wrote the book. So the symptoms you're inquiring about are royally represented in that book, Happy Healthy Hormones. Mm -hmm. And if you start experiencing any of those symptoms, unclear thinking or irregular periods or breast tenderness or the return of PMS, which you didn't have it, or headaches, or the list is long. Mm -hmm. Then that's the time to start paying time to hormonal balance. And practically speaking, the most common thing that happens to a woman in her 30s, if she's not spot on with regular menstruation and totally healthy system there, Mm -hmm. is that she's going to lose her progesterone. It's going to start diminishing earlier and more profoundly than estrogen. Yeah. All of us, males and females, we have our peak hormonal levels at 20, plus or minus two years. Mm -hmm. That's the peak estrogens. That's the peak progesterone. And we start declining from there. Yeah. And these declines are not usually consequential unless they get exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And they commonly get exaggerated. Yeah. Can I ask a testing question? Yeah. You mentioned before about, I think I had heard you mention that you prefer urine testing for hormones. I know you can see the metabolites. I went to a functional endocrinology conference and they had said that urine testing was only helpful for metabolites but not for levels because your hormone levels are dependent on your liver's ability to properly detox them. So if you're not detoxing properly, then the hormones could be high in the blood, but low in the urine and you get like a skewed number. Do you have any thoughts around that or what you would suggest for testing? Yes. Well, testing is a complex question. Mm. And here's the reason. In medical school, we're taught on how to evaluate an individual patient from a lot of different angles. Got it. And I find it critical, and this is what I was taught in the 1960s in medical school, still pertains to this day. You got to take the whole picture. Right. So we can learn an enormous amount from a medical history. Yeah. And sometimes a physical exam. Mm-hmm. And then we augment that with testing and we get in what happens. If someone's not feeling well, we get some ideas about what to do. Because mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. And then we deploy those ideas and we see how that plays out. Hormone testing is a whole world unto itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're very involved with hormone testing. I spent an hour and a half Zoom call with a world expert on steroid hormone testing. And we're trying to sort out this world for treating women, Mm -hmm. testing women. And let me say this, that in the perimenopause, a woman's in her 30s, 40s, she's still menstruating. Testing is just not that valuable. Right. Yeah. Why? Because when a woman's hormone levels drop to a certain amount the pituitary in the brain get it. Mm-hmm. And if I could anthropomorphize the pituitary in the brain, they go, what's going on here? We're getting some lower levels here. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can encourage the ovaries to come back online here and produce a rich amount again that we need. Mm-hmm. So they're going to increase the stimulating hormones. 
And so you're going to get this in my book. I describe this natural menstrual curve mm-hmm. starting on day one, the first day you menstruate where the estrogen levels are low and I'll lay estrogens here. Estrogen levels are low. They gradually increase up until day 12 when they are maximum. They drop to two thirds of what they were. They rise again to about two thirds of what they were. And then they fall off again. Mm-hmm. So it really matters what day of the cycle you test a woman. Yeah. And then if you've got a woman who's got declining levels in general, she's not going to have this nice smooth curve that I show in the book. She's going to be erratic. Mm -hmm. She's going to have these moments where the brain goes, we got to wake up these ovaries again. Mm -hmm. And they get a real burst of FSH and LH stimulating hormones to the ovaries and the ovaries respond. Yeah. They put out this peak level of estrogen that the woman's never seen before. Yeah. Levels. But she can't keep it up. So they fall. They fall to lower levels than they've ever been. Yeah. And then they put to a drain again. No, no, no. Let's stimulate you again. Up, down, up, down. You get these erratic mm. outputs. So when you try and test in the perimenopause, you usually come up with very deceiving levels mm-hmm. no matter how you test. Yeah. If they're so erratic, can you do hormones and- during that time? It's a good time. It's the best time. So, okay. So how, the optimal time. So when how, those hormones start getting erratic. Okay. So then how do you determine which hormones to replenish? And what's the best delivery mechanism? Because there's creams, there's gels, there's pellets. What, what does that look like? You know, it's a funny, your questions in general reveal <laughs> that hormone medicine, as it's understood in this country and practiced, is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is there confusion? You talk to a urologist who's dealing with men's prostates, there's not confusion about what to do. Right. It's very clear. If they have any discussions or controversy, it's at the edges. What we're seeing in general, and I'm sorry to divert to there, That's okay. is we're seeing this disaster that happened with the Women's Health Initiative. Mm-hmm. While other branches of medicine were specializing and expertise was developing and they got residencies mm-hmm. five years they're spending learning how to do this stuff and then they see patients are being mentored by the elder providers who really have the experience this did not happen in menopause yeah you got the wild west here right and you got all these ideas going on and usually who's promoting these ideas they're not specializing in menopause mm-hmm. or andropause yeah. i know these people I go to their lecture site mm-hmm. and I'm working on trying to create standards of care. Wow. The only difference that I did is I decided to specialize mm-hmm. for the last 30 years. Yeah. And this field needs it. There shouldn't be these controversies. Right. And there's problems with everything that you named there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, why is, be. why are there so many question marks? Like there should be a standardized way of taking care we, of women that are aging. Should, we've developed it and read mm-hmm. happy, healthy hormones and you'll see it. Okay. I'm going to read that book. Like I'm so psyched about bioidentical. I'm not even kidding. I just turned 35 and last year my hormones just started going crazy and my hair started curling. I started getting breast tenderness and start losing your progesterone. Yes. And that's why I keep in deeper than you did your estrogen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I need a prescription guys. (laughs) Someone hook me up with some progesterone. And well, my husband died like a year and a half ago. So gray Uh hairs are just popping out everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm just, ah, my body's stressed. I know how to eat well. I know how to meditate. I know how to do all the things. There's just this, like, I'm just seeing this 
shift in my body that I'm like, yeah. I think I've supported it enough. Like I love Dr. Rosensweet that you keep saying like, we got to take care of all the other things, trauma and stress and emotional stuff. We have to take care of the food. You can't just eat an unhealthy diet and not sleep and have terrible stress. And then please load me up with bioidentical hormone. Probably not going to work. You have to look at the whole picture and take care of all the aspects. And bioidentical is just one of those things. It's not the cure all. It's just another weapon or another tool in your toolbox to help your body really thrive. But we really need to eat well. We need to sleep well. We need to stress well. We need to exercise well. And then the hormones will probably benefit us a lot better when recovering all those bases. That's a fabulous point because this world in life is not about better living through biochemistry. Mm -hmm. And I've said this many, many times. They say, yeah, so you've got a midlife man or woman who's in tremendous stress and duress and they're obviously they're having period trouble or they're having erectile dysfunction. And what are we going to do? We're going to do better living through biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Well, and we'll give you the best stuff that's around bioidentical hormones. It is. It's the most powerful stuff that's around. Hormones are the most powerful chemicals in our body. But if you've got issues of unconsciousness where there's emotions that you're stuffing and you haven't dealt with them Mm -hmm. and your relationships are in breakdown and you're not functioning well in life, the hormones can be supportive. Just like other medications be supportive, but they should not divert you away from the great work. Yeah. yeah. Great work. Needs, yeah. The great work. I know. The great work. Beautiful. It's you're uh, really, you're a good doctor. Isn't you? I know. Like, are you working with patients? Are you taking new patients? Very few. I'm mostly <laughs> teaching and mentoring. Oh, amazing. Right. So but I've trained and mentored uh, a lot of docs and nurse practitioners. So uh, amazing. So yeah, it really matters. And, what are we on earth to do? Right. Well, let's say we're on earth to be happy and to love and mm-hmm. be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got a lot of interferences in our consciousness and in our emotions that we mm-hmm. came to earth with. Yeah. We're here to uncover those and heal those so that we can turn the tide of this planet. Yes. It's unconsciousness. It's emotions and stuff and denied and lack of personal responsibility. Yes. That's brought this planet to the Brink, and I really honored the two of you because it's obvious you are involved in the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Go with it and you radiate it. Thank and you. Are bioidenticals going to cure this? No. If someone has got deep personal hatred, for example, are they not going to get ill? Yes. We're going to prevent that with. Uh, no, they're going to, they could get a cancer. Yeah. Because yeah, they will get so it. I'm oversimplifying it. Yeah. But there's a lot of different directions we could go here. <laughs> <laughs> if we weren't on the schedule, I would say, right. let's keep going. I know, I know, right? <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah, let's go deeper. <laughs> I, I love that you bring that up of like the emotional aspect and disease, you know, that's so important and so overlooked. And we really try to shine a light on that. And I love the great work where it's, we can do the great work when we're feeling at our best, right? But we have to do all the work and bioidentical can help us feel at, at our best, but we have to still do the emotional shadow work. And so yeah. like healing isn't just about nutrition. It's not just about body chemistry. It's about that emotional 
chemistry too, right? Exactly. You know, rewiring our brains to rewire our hormones, to rewire our body's processes. So I've loved everything you've said, Doc. How can people find more of you? Like, how can I get my nurse practitioners to do your trainings? And if people want to learn more other than download your PDF, where can they learn from you? They can go to uh, various websites and they're listed in that book. So if they download the PDF, they're going to see our contact information. Amazing. Awesome. But um, bright.live, B-R-I-T-E dot live, or the menopause method. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Great. Okay. Or IOBIM, the Institute of Bioidentical Medicine.org. Mm-hmm. But that book, if they download that book, they'll see ways to contact us. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. Well, Doc, thank you so much for this interview. It was phenomenal. And I've had so many perimenopausal women just say, please, can you talk more about these things for us? Because there's not enough information out there and women are lost and they're uncomfortable. So I hope this episode serves those women and women that are starting to struggle. You know, we don't have to suffer, right? We can be really smart about our aging. We can age gracefully. And so, Doc, you've just shone a massive light on this. And so thank you so much for your knowledge, for your expertise. I'm so grateful that that the universe guided you into this field so that you could be this like trailblazer for it. Right. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're such a gem in this world. Thank you, Doc. Thank you very much. And so are you, the two of you. It's you obviously are having great benefit. Thank you. Carry on. Just imagine how this is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, what you're doing. I am. A hundred percent. And listeners, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 